Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Mina Amani. Before we get to Mina, I'm going to give a few announcements. First and foremost, our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. You can go there. You can see photos of our guests. You can see some stories that they've written. You can see stories that I've written. You can see links to their social media. You can see links to our social media. And by that, you know what I'm referring to, Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram. Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. I'm going to admit right now that I'm not big on Twitter, and I'll tell you why. I have the Travel Tales Pod account, and that's all business. But I also have my personal account there, which is Funny Mike, where occasionally I'll spout off on something in the news or whatever. But I have to admit, during these tense times of COVID, the election, and the world in general just being a depressing kind of pile of crap right now, every time I go on Twitter, I immediately feel worse than before I went on. Doesn't take long. So would I appreciate a follow there on the Travel Tales Pod account and the Funny Mike account? Sure. But I'm going to come clean here and say I don't really add a lot to it because <laughs> uh, I don't think it's good. doesn't make me feel any better. It's ugly out there, folks. Trying to stay positive. So that's me coming clean here. Follow us on our Facebook page, too. You can find Travel Tales Podcast on Facebook. You can find me on Facebook. And speaking of ugliness, I curate that Facebook as well. I try to keep it positive on my page. Because the world is full of negative, isn't it? There's enough negative out there. There's enough negative in me trying to keep it positive these days. But back to TravelTalesPodcast.com. There you can find links to Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio. We're on Spotify. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can just stream it right there on the site. If you are listening on any of those other platforms, I would ask you to please subscribe and to please give us a good rating. That helps more people find the show by boosting our presence there, and that's a cool thing to do. If you want to write me, it's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. All right, Mina Amani, I believe I found on Instagram through our friend King of Phillips, who was a guest on the show. We all share a love of scuba diving, but Mina is more extreme than me. She's done diving in Arctic waters in Norway. She does underwater filmmaking. She's worked as an actor and a stunt performer. She's a black belt. She's done a lot of cool things. So I was happy I could talk to her. She lives in Malibu, not too far from me. And in the pre-COVID days, we would have just done this in person. But you know how that goes. So this Zoom interview you hear is the first time we've met. And we are still yet to meet face-to-face, but hopefully that will change sometime in the future. But it was a pleasure to meet her, and I think you'll like meeting her too. Please welcome the lovely, charming, and extreme Mina Amani. Mina Amani, we're doing, a, we're doing a Zoom call from literally like five miles away from each other. <laughs> like any other time, we would be doing this in either your house or my house or somewhere very simple. But we're being so safe fun. by doing this. Yes. So safe. Because you're right so in Malibu. Boring. Yeah, we're we're super close in proximity. It's kind of pointless. It sounds like both <laughs> of our lifestyles too. We actually probably should have done this at the beach. I know. I we, like, we, we maybe could have crossing paths at the beach. Yeah. What? Uh, how long have you lived in Malibu? Um, I'm pretty OG in this particular location. I've been here about 13 years. Oh my gosh. Okay. Did you I grow know. up around here? <laughs> no, I'm from Utah. Oh, Utah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's talk about what part of Utah. I was just there. I'm, oh, really? Where were you? I'm from Ogden. Oh, okay. Um, my, I just did a, uh, in June, I did a road trip to the Southern Canyons of Utah. So I did Bryce, I did Moab and uh, Zion. Yeah, it was my first time there. And then I just drove through Utah again in September going to Montana and Wyoming. There's just so much natural beauty there. It's yeah. like 
I think that's one of the things growing up, like I still do a lot of trail running and I grew up like I'd run eight miles through the mountains to get to my gym. And so like, I've always just loved the outdoors. And I think it's one probably because I'm from Utah and it just was like, where are you going to play? Go play in the mountain. And so it just made <laughs> sense. <laughs> yeah, totally. So uh, Mina Amani, I lo- it's an awesome uh, like showbiz name. It's a good, <laughs> it's a good, it's a good rock and roll name. Is it like, uh, I'm going to guess some, somewhere, don't tell me, um, maybe Lebanese, Moroccan. Ooh, I love your guesses. I might just let you keep going and like take it as flattery. This is, this is the most Is it something more boring? It's more, no, it's Ogden. That's the answer. Yeah, it's totally Ogden. <laughs> what, where, where's your family from? Um, just a total mix. My mom's French and Native American Cherokee from Utah. Oh, okay. And then my dad's actually Italian and Pakistani from Pakistan. So wow. like most people, I'm just a total mutt. Yeah. But you were so close. You were in such the right vein. You were like I, heading over there. Yeah. Pakistan. I didn't guess. I didn't get Pakistan. So uh, Ogden, Utah, and that's up. Uh, how far from Salt Lake is that? Um, it's about 45 minutes, 45 minutes. And it's kind of cool because um, it's all green and mountains and woodsy. Like for college, I could go for gym period, obviously my favorite course there yeah. and snowboard. And so it was just awesome. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. sounds great. Okay. Well, you touched on your, um, your kind of like your physical background because you have all these titles and you're, I mean, you're, like, you're like a stunt woman. Are you like I, a... I uh, Tons of uh, physical stuff. I've just grown, I grew up dancing and fighting is really my background. And then I got more into um, acting stuff, um, just as far as having to protect my own head. Um, (laughs) I love the stunt stuff. I'd love to keep doing more of that. But I ended up going to more of the acting school because it was honestly, um, it's brutal on your body. The people are amazing what they can do. And I still like, I'm still doing backflips and stuff, but I'm not doing them on cement. Got it. And so it's one of those things where it's like if I'm playing with swords, like I'm just more protective. I've, as you can imagine, grown up fighting. I've had a lot of concussions. And um, unfortunately, that's actually what happened last week. A funny little detour story. But um, I got a porcupine quill. Stupidity just pure stupidity, an African porcupine quill in my arm. And I ripped it out because why wouldn't I? Because it was only like six inches in my arm. Why wouldn't I rip it out myself? And and then I passed out. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, well, wait a minute. Porcupine quill, is this in the water? Or is this? No, this was actually, um, I volunteer with exotic animals. So we have like, they've got porcupine and wolves and and monkeys and all sorts of fun, fun creatures that um, I mostly shovel poo, but (laughs) they're amazing. And just to be around them, there's kangaroos. There's so many things that you're like, oh my goodness, how am I so lucky to share space with you? So is this porcupine quill, is it poisonous? Mm, no, but it was super dirty. It oh. was very dirty. Yeah. And so we just kept watching it. And I'm so lucky this amazing trainer ran to my side and like is dumping hydrogen peroxide on me. And I was like, so it's it's actually not infected. So this is amazing news. <laughs> yeah, that's... And my head's better. Congratulations. Um, so it actually wasn't a bad fall. It wasn't a bad head hit. I've had, um, I don't know, eight concussions in my uh Worst one was six months of amnesia. So you can imagine that that was not very fun. So that six is why I'm months. Six months. That's when was this? Now. Gosh, this was a. Uh, this was probably like a good. It was right before I moved here, probably like thirteen years ago, something like that. And um, it happens to the best of us, you know. I go to the doctor and stuff. My doctor laughs. She goes, I'm going to give you a helmet to wear in real life. And I'm like, oh, that's single for life. <laughs> Just let me roll out there in my helmet. I'm like, that's going to go well. How did you knock yourself out that time? Was this on a stunt? Um, no, actually. A 
a lot of it is stupidity. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. A lot of things are just <laughs> missed balls. Like I'm out like, cause I am really safe now when I fight, if I spar, I only spar other black belts. Um, I use a lot of performance weapons along with sharp weapons. And um, I'm just really safe about that stuff. So that stuff I have to say has gone better, but it's the real life stuff where I'm like, of course I should run up this cliff and why wouldn't I do that? And then you come down. So that one was actually um, cement stairs. It was oh. about two flights, I don't know, 50 cement stairs I fell down. So I passed out at the top and I hit my head the whole way down. So it was a bad one. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was a bad one. <laughs> so, so what uh, movies and TV would we have seen your work in? Oh, I would love to have so much amazing things, but I'm still I'm still low level. <laughs> like um, a lot of kind of zombie stuff, a lot of stuff where you're like, that was me. <laughs> but hopefully, hopefully so there'll be some bigger projects coming up soon now that things are starting to kind of percolate and get going again. You know, I've done a lot of the stuff that I dreamed about doing as a kid, so I'm fortunate that way. But one of my secret desires as a kid was always to be like a stuntman. I saw really? some I saw some TV show on one, you know, you know, boys like falling out of trees and, you know, Evil Knievel was big when I was, uh, you know, a kid. So we were always like trying to jump stuff with our bikes and, you know, we'll just get hurt. You know, we didn't care. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I, I, I've acted in stuff, but one thing I've, I've played a bunch of like, I played a couple like secret service guys and, and bodyguards, but I've never been killed on camera, which I've always wanted to be. I've always wanted to get shot or shoot somebody and I've never gotten to do any of that or take a punch. Well, you then know, maybe I'm, I'm living your dream. Cause that's, let's see the last movie I shot. I gotta be in, in um, we were, it was a fight movie, so we were just in a huge cage fighting rink. And it was so fun because um, the lead that was, she was this really, really nice woman, but she had learned to fight kind of for the movie. And she just, like, I just got to let her beat the crap out of me. <laughs> and the whole thing was how she just was, like, pummeling everyone. And so I was just, like, getting pummeled against the cage. So I'm basically, like, a 15-year-old boy. So it sounds like we have a lot of the same fantasies. I Absolutely. like comics, <laughs> weapons. <laughs> I'm like, oh, zombie, check. <laughs> if I could play monsters, I would just think that would be a really fun acting career just to be those kind of fun creatures that are super physical, but they're always just like out of this world. Well, I know we have one thing in common is that I'm a, I'm a scuba diver and I think oh, you're a diver too. You're a big I water person. The ocean, yeah. And I, we have a mutual friend in Kinga Phillips, I think. So that's, how I think I found you. So uh, tell me about your history of diving and where have you dove around the world? Dived? Well, dove? I don't even know what the no, proper... sounds good. I, okay. I'll go with that. Okay. King is actually kind of... She kind of introduced me to diving. She's just like this amazing go-getter, and she's always been into diving. And so I started, and I kind of just fell in love with it. I've always loved animals, and I do some ocean cinematography, and the whole thing is just trying to show people animals that maybe they are never going to get to connect with, or maybe it's a way they can kind of get back to nature and care more about the animals through kind of seeing how it is in its natural habitat and what it does. And, you know, just trying to make everything more about protection. So I'm obviously, as you can imagine, I like diving with huge animals. <laughs> I don't like just diving. I like diving with sharks, whales, um, orcas we keep going after they're like my elusive unicorn and um dolphins dolphins are one of my favorites because they're super playful they're super interactive um depending what species and what area where but, have you where are some of your favorite places that you've dove gosh um galapagos is amazing oh that's that's the, on my list yeah for the scalloped hammerheads Nothing's going to beat that. And actually, that dive was so cool because um, this is kind of typical me, but I, I got carried away with like, uh, I was surrounded by these hammerheads and I was just following them. And the waters there, at least when we went, it's kind of known to be choppy and murky in that particular spot where people go out with. And so as we were going along, 
I look around and it's just me and the hammerheads. And I was like, I lost the group. <laughs> it's kind of sucks. <laughs> but at the same time, like, here's a dream I've always wanted to do. So do I look for the group or do I stay with my new friends? And I was like, I'm going to stay with my new friends. So I hung out with them till I got pretty low on oxygen and went to the surface. And I bet it was like probably a good 45 minutes. I was just in the middle of the ocean somewhere with no one around in any proximity before the boat even found me. So <laughs> you realize you're supposed to have a buddy underneath the water at all times, right? That is the first rule of diving. Yes. yes. <laughs> I do realize that. And I always go down with a buddy. I always try and stay with my buddy, but there have been a couple occasions where me and my buddy have been separated. And sometimes my sister's usually my diving buddy. She's on every adventure and she's actually, we're siblings. So you can actually see us fight under the water. Well, like she's bossing me around and then I'll actually swim on top of her, but just like out of her peripheral vision. So she thinks I'm gone, but like really I'm watching her. <laughs> and so like is really that, is, sibling stuff. Is that why you got a black belt to beat up your sister? Was that the first uh, reason? I just, I just have always been into physical stuff and like they were like, oh, you could do this and learn weapons. And I started in ninjutsu, which is... um male dominated a lot of the studios in LA won't even let females train so obviously I started to a because I'm in a room full of guys and b like everyone thought they had to take it easy on me and I was like oh no it's not going down like that like <laughs> <laughs> like I will be the last one standing on pure merit <laughs> and so it was really fun and then just getting into like oh and now that there's nunchucks and all these weapons and so when I came out here I got more into Taekwondo and I taught at Taekwondo for um, an amazing studio KMA. They actually do a lot with um, psychological kind of development along with their martial arts. So it was a really cool program and it was just fun. I still go back a lot of the times when we bring up new black belts. It's like a ceremony that's very close to my heart because it's, um, I don't know, you just know that everyone has to push themselves to a level and everyone gets to their breaking point and it's so far past that these people have to keep pushing whether they're adults or children and to see people break through those barriers it's just um it's super emotional but it's also just a really inspirational thing to be part of well i want to get back to the galapagos for a second because i've never been and it's so high on my bucket list oh i have so many tips for you i'm gonna be like all right here go here dive with this company okay um so, I'll have your itinerary all planned out <laughs> when you go, just as between me and Kinga, because Kinga's shot there. Yeah, so I know. She I goes there like a lot. You're gonna be, yeah, you're going to be set. But getting there is not easy, and I also heard it's not cheap. So, I mean, were you working? Well, were you... Um, uh, this, you're not going to like what I'm about to tell you. Uh-oh. It's, it's going to be upsetting, especially because your podcast is about travel. <laughs> um, my mom worked for the airlines when I was a child. So I fly for free. Oh, awesome. That's yeah. So it is awesome. It's one of those things that's really been hard during COVID. So I think I paid some tax to get there, which was right. like, I don't know, a hundred dollars, $120. Uh, so. But I hear you, I hear you have to have like a guided tour or you can't just go as a solo traveler, right? It's like protected. That's what they tell you. It is protected, but they will let you go in solo. They just only, they cap it at a number because it is a protected area. Um, but there is so many people allowed in. So I was allowed in without a group. Um, and I've heard that those laws and regulations could change in the next couple of years. But right now, if you go when travel opens up again there, you actually will have a much better opportunity before they change of being able to get in solo. Wow, that's great. Where did where do you stay? Did you sleep on the boat or did you camp? No, I actually, um, we kind of moved around. We stayed at like these really funky places. We actually stayed in, and I mean this in no way fancy because we're very unfancy, but it was a very primitive castle. We stayed in a castle. I saw it on like, I don't know if it was Airbnb or something. And I was like, I think yes to castle. <laughs> yeah. Who built a castle in the Galapagos Islands? I have no idea. How old is this thing? Yeah, but it was like, 
it was old and the sweetest people running it. And we stayed in this little tower that you could go up, you know, like the little tower thing and peek out. And it was actually pretty cool, but we've been lucky. I try and follow um, animals when they're migrating. So I've gone like to Tonga for, you know, looking for the humpbacks. And uh, that place is just extraordinary. It's so, so rural. And it's like, just a gem that people have kind of untouched. It's such a beautiful place. Where is it? Rarotonga? Like the Cook Islands? Yeah, in Tonga. Mm-hmm. Oh, Tonga. Yeah. Because there's Tonga, and I was thinking of Rarotonga, like oh, no, the no, city no. in the... Yeah, no, just Tonga. Just okay. The kingdom outside of South Pacific. So gorgeous. Have you been just... to Palau? No. Palau's on my list, so a lot of my friends have been doing that, and they love it. Palau's definitely on the list. Um which Me as too. you can imagine, COVID's put a dent in some of our diving adventures. I know, it's killing me. But uh, if you go, let me know because like, I'm always looking for like a dive group. Oh, I will let you know because I bet we're going to go as soon as they open it because that's been one that's like a main one. And I have my best friend who you should actually meet. Um, she's a mermaid and she is amazing. So I would totally say... Um, <laughs> I'll hook the two of you guys up. Perfect. But she will, she's gone there a bunch of times and she'll, she said like, let's go back. And I have um, some friends that are locals there. And so they've oh. grown up there. So they said like, if we come, there's going to be, they'll have all the best people and we'll just be very in good hands. Perfect. So other than uh, Palau, what are, what are the, we'll stick on diving for a minute, but what are you, uh, what other spots do you really, really want to go to? My two are like Palau and like, I still haven't really done the Red Sea. I did, um, I was in Israel, but just off the shore. But I really, it's okay. It's, it was crowded, you know, and it's still just off the shore. You don't really see as much, but I heard the good stuff. You have to get farther into like Egypt and uh, Sharmoshik and all that. So it's supposed to be amazing. So I want to do those. Those are my two. What are you, what are yours? No, I think you're totally right what you were saying. The Red Sea, I haven't been to, and they have epic um, species of dolphins there. And they have an incredible different kinds of variety of underwater sites, as you know, like some wrecks and things to dive through, which look really fun. Um, but I keep going back to Norway, and I'm I'm still like this. They haven't opened it, and I'm still like, open, open, Um so I'm hoping to go back if they open. And if not, I'll have to wait a year. But um, probably one of the worst trips we ever did was Norway. And I just keep trying to do it again. So what, When were you there and why was it so bad? Um, we went in the thick of winter. Were we so going for the Northern Lights or something? For swimming with orcas. Oh, God. And so it was you have to go in like their worst season. There's only a little bit of daylight. And you get on a metal boat tiny little boat in about five minutes in you're wet so then it's just a matter of how much you can endure and <laughs> well is it a dry suit are you doing dry suit um, diving it's a dry suit but once you're wet like 15 minutes in you're shaking you're feeling like your bones are going to explode from the inside i had like um all my gums went black from just frostbite and my like my lips were huge we were laughing we were like look you don't have to go to any doctors it's just <laughs> Go stand out in the snow all day. And, oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, we actually lost even our close-up vision because um, the extreme cold along with the compression from the suit being on hours at a time. And I'm like, I'm like, once I have a mission, I'm on mission. So they'd be like, okay, we need to turn around. And I'd be like, weight belt on with my camera in my hands on the edge of the boat. And I was like, no, I'm ready. Like, let's do this. (laughs) I will be out here until like the sun's gone. Um, So. How can your camera work in water so cold? Well, it's careful. You got to be really careful with the camera. (laughs) And it does get, it got ice on it. So like before you're getting back in, you're trying to like get the ice from the water off of the lens and like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. (laughs) And then, um, I don't know, but I want to go back. I've never done super cold water diving like that. I wouldn't recommend it. 
I would stay away from it if you can at all. But did you <laughs> did you see the orcas? Did you see them? We did. We saw orcas and humpbacks, but I was hoping to have um, more interactions, and so I want to go back. Um, but the water up there is, I guess, it's got to be super clear, though. The visibility's got to be amazing. It wasn't that clear, to be honest. It is, it's kind of clear, but there's a lot of, like, kind of different particulate in the water at that time of year. And so you could see, but there's also not much sunlight. So everything's kind of cold and dark. Were you under ice? No, we didn't go under ice. That, that doesn't look fun. <laughs> well, I've never... I have uh, friends that do that, and I'm like, I don't know about that. Yeah. Well, I also want to do the dive that um, I've had some friends that have done it in Iceland where you can touch the, both the tectonic plates, like you're in between. Ooh, that does look amazing. Yeah. Two continents I, at once. Yeah, you have to free dive it, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, free diving seems like something I'd like to get into more too. You should get into it. We're going out in about... Um, <laughs> Are you going today? Of course I am. Yeah, we, um, we, you know, it's one of those things with COVID. It's like, well, you can't travel. Let's find things locally. Let's go dive. We're so lucky too. you and I in the proximity of this great area. It's like we can go camp at sand dunes and hike in mountains and have bonfires, you know, and go dive in the ocean. So I'm like, we really don't have much to complain about. How long can you stay underwater? Not that long. And it does for me. It matters. Um, as far as coldness, like if you take me somewhere tropical, I could stay under way longer. But if you take me where it's cold, eh, chances are I'm going to come up a little sooner. Um, but I have, um, we were so lucky in Socorro, which is just, have you done Socorro? Because no. you scuba, I would actually say this place should go like somewhere near the top of your list. It's where one is of it? these, it's, um, you take a boat to Cabo. And then it's like, I don't know, like a 17-hour boat ride from there. It's basically in the middle of nowhere. It's the last place that would you would come in before you hit Mexico. And so it actually has a lot of Army stuff nearby because it's kind of like patrolling the perimeter there. But it's so it's in the middle of nowhere, and it's these amazing set of rocks that actually old sailors found. And they actually, even some of the boats, you can see like the old sailing records that they were like, we found these rocks and there's fish everywhere. And then unfortunately, they were overfished, completely annihilated. And they have like by amazing um, different scientists like Dr. Mauricio Hoyas, who's like a great white specialist, they've protected this area. And now when you go, there are schools of fish. There are schools of every couple meters you go down. It's like a new species of shark. You would just, your mind's blown and huge mantas are like dancing around you. It's just um, epic. I would say that's some of the best scuba diving in the world. Okay, now it's on my list. Yeah, and it's like the best scuba. Like I would go, and the cobalt color is so beautiful. Like it stays, it stayed in my head for like months. So I want to do there and is, is was it Isla Mujeres? Is down there where the whale yeah, sharks go? Yeah, that one's a beautiful one for whale sharks. That one is kind of, and it's kind of really a cool little island. Like the people are so nice there and um, the water's warm. So <laughs> there's no complaining there. That's good and for you. And the whale sharks are amazing. Yeah, the whale sharks were really, really amazing. But when we were in Socorro, we had um, Alejandro Limas with this, like one of Mexico's elite free divers. And I'm lucky enough, some of my friends are these amazing free divers. So I'm just huffing along and I'm like, wow, like the mermaid, you will see her hit the water and your mind is just blown. You're like, how can you move like that? You're out of the this world. Just And she's like five minute breath hold and he's like 14 minute breath hold. They're just beyond me. <laughs> wow. Beyond my capabilities for now. <laughs> I won't say forever, but probably I'm not shooting for that. I just want to go and see creatures and kind of show people that world that not everyone like you or I that's a diver is going to get involved to see in their lifetime or their kid's lifetime so they can help protect it so it is there for future generations and everything. So I know you're a water person, but I mean, being from Utah, uh, are you a skier or a snowboarder? Um, I'm a snowboarder, but this is going to sound bad. Only because when I was growing up, we could go to gym class in the mountains and snowboard because I was literally grew up in the mountains. And so all these guys come from California to teach snowboarding. So I was like, win, 
win. <laughs> like <laughs> this is the best thing that's ever happened. So I grew up snowboarding, but I really dislike the cold. So now I rarely actually go. Um, I know it's so sad, but it was really fun to do growing up. It was really cool. Okay. Give us one Utah ski tip that, uh, what's a good place to go that maybe the locals know that everybody else doesn't know to some of the small, small resorts away from the park city. That's so fancy away from even the Sandy Provo Salt Lake kind of resorts. If you go into Ogden, go up into the mountains, there's like Deer Creek and Snow Basin. And a lot of these places, we go back and we've even gone just snowshoeing. But when you go after a storm, you can find fresh powder. And I mean, you could be on a mountain by yourself with your buddy, of course. No one goes anywhere diving or skiing without their buddy. But Well, you do. We, we, we've learned that. I start with okay. the buddy. Sometimes I make new buddies when I'm there. But I try to always have some sort of buddy. But they, um, fresh powder. Fresh powder and no people. Like you can look and look and you won't see people till you get back to going up on the lift. Like it's kind of incredible. So is that down near Provo or where is that? No, go into Ogden, go into Ogden and up north into those mountains. Okay. It's like a lot of those places are kind of untouched because everyone now like with Sundance, everyone goes to Park City, but it gets busy. It's still beautiful there, but um, I love powder and I love being where there's no people. <laughs> so. I'm with you. So if I'm right, so if I'm here, it's like backbone trails. If I'm there, it's like snow powder where there's no people, and then I'm happy. Right. So uh, where on your other than I heard your diving bucket list? Where's your like travel? Where where haven't you been that you really want to go? You know, it's kind of sad because I've never made it to Australia, and after all the fires, I really want to do like um, this epic road trip around the Golden Coast. And just like camp and surf and swim and just like really explore there. And so I'm still hoping to do that. That would be really cool. And I also have never been to Africa. And one of my friends helps run the Gorilla Foundation. And so I really want to go see the gorillas and go on a safari. I just saw the gorillas last year in, oh. in Uganda and Rwanda. Yeah. Oh, it my did, gosh. It's amazing. It, what was it like? It's incredible. It's incredible. Now and it's an also it's also a good uh, w- <laughs> benefit of your mom's plane ticket because that's a not a short flight. Not a short flight, <laughs> but did you still like cuz when I work with the monkeys and by no means work with when the trainers there and they let me interact with them. Um they're so human like yeah, and they're walking like, all around you us. Go, and, you know we're related, but you look at them and you look at the way they interact, you look at their relationships, and you're like, you're, you could be my cousin. <laughs> you could literally yeah. be like my cousin Jim. Like, well, I think they're, you? I don't know. Isn't their DNA like 97% similar or something? Yes. But yeah. It's, it's incredible. Well, it's you would so love it. I, I recommend it highly. Oh, well, I can't wait to hear more about your trip. That sounds like <laughs> just incredible. That must have been so fun. It was. It was. But so you're a surfer as well, which I'm not surprised. Yeah. Well, surfer. I'm not like I have a friend. Her husband's like a big wave surfer. I'm like, when you look out and it looks pretty glassy, I'm like, today's my day. I'm getting yeah. out there. I'm, I'm not good. Yeah, I wouldn't I'm, say I'm good. I love it. I'm starting to realize I love everything about being about surfing, except maybe the actual surfing because I'm not good oh, at that's it. Because I love, okay. I, I love you. sitting I on the board. Like I'm not meant to be good at it. I love sitting on the board and like floating in the water. I like being out there. I like being on the beach. I like One of my the, favorite parts of paddle boarding. Just sitting yeah. on the board, and being yeah. out there, just hanging it's, out in the water. It's peaceful, and you know, I'm yeah, seeing dolphins play best, and like COVID like activity. There's no one around you. But I don't Certainly like the. You get a little more people. I know, and I don't like the paddling. I need like a chairlift that right, would take me. <laughs> paddle out a bit, and if you're not feeling like you want like a workout that day, you just hang on the board, and you're like, oh, this is so cool. It's so peaceful, <laughs> and like. Um, where we are, as you know, like I was lucky enough one time I wasn't in the water, but we're we're in Great White territory. I, I've seen off my street a Great White breach, and I was like, oh, this is just <laughs> so cool. And it was so funny because I was waiting at a light, looking at the ocean, 
and all the other drivers were on their cell phones. And I was jumping up and down in my car and I'm honking and like, and just me. (laughs) (laughs) Like, are you guys seeing this? But no, back to what you were saying about the shared DNA. We have the cutest little baby monkey at the place I volunteer. And the other day, um, we're trying to get him to play in the water because he doesn't like water. But if he learns as a baby, he'll like it. And it feels so good when it's hot. So we were trying to get him to play in this pool. And I got his little ears wet, and he didn't like it. And so I gave him a tennis ball to play with. And I could have never thought of this in a million years. He took the tennis ball in about a minute. He cut a hole in the top. He took it open. He filled it with water. And he came and he dumped it on me. And I was just kind of like, slow clap, little man. Slow how clap. Did, how did he cut open a tennis ball? Did he have a knife with in there? Finger. He literally just used his finger, cut it open, filled it with water. And I was like, touche. <laughs> like, good for you. Like, that's kind of amazing that you totally outsmarted me. Yeah, they're smart. They're really smart. Yeah, mind-blowingly smart. So what's <laughs> your next location besides Palau and Galapagos? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Palau there. I wanted to go to Bhutan and Myanmar. And I still haven't been to mainland China. I've been to Hong Kong oh, and, ta- and Taiwan, but I've never been to mainland China. And um, yeah, Egypt and Morocco. Those are the main ones. And then Galapagos and Chile. I haven't been to Chile down there, but those are the oh, big Chile, ones. I haven't yeah. been to either, but it would be so amazing because um, I wouldn't recommend this. They're horrible pets, but growing up, I had chinchillas. And when huh? we were in... Peru, you can see them in the wild, but they're from Chile. So I would love to be able to go to those mountains and you can go to the beach or you could go to snow. Like it just is such a vast kind of European place, which would be so amazing. So you were in Peru. Did you do the uh, Inca Trail and Machu Picchu and all that? We did the Inca Trail, but we did a ton of backpacking and we did like the Sungate Trail. I would not recommend that to anyone that's afraid of heights. When they have the sign above the trail that's like you could have a heart attack, like you should turn back. <laughs> I didn't turn back, and it was one of those things. It's a one-way loop. It's not cool. <laughs> Wait, the Sungate Trail is that is that leading to uh, Machu Picchu? I wonder if I'm saying it wrong. There's so once you're on in Machu Picchu, there's a tra- there's trails all over, but one of them's like a really pretty trail, and one of them. I might be getting, I think I'm actually getting, um, I want to say it actually starts with a W. I'm going to have to look it up and tell you, but it's a, a, like a straight vertical trail. It's high, much higher than Machu Picchu. It's the one that looks down. Yeah, and I did that one. Did you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so you know what I'm talking about. The I didn't I remember the name. gone through the torture. Do you remember <laughs> it? Do you- hmm. Well, I did that one, the mountain next to it that looks yeah, down on. It. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. And when you think you're done with the torture, they put in that thing where at the top you have to actually crawl on your stomach under the rock through the cave. And I was like, oh, let's throw claustrophobia into this. (laughs) This is awesome. I I can see why people have heart attacks up here. It just totally made sense to me. I was like, wow. That's a thing like uh, Kilimanjaro when I did that. They don't don't tell you how many people die up there but there's a number of people that die up there and you oh you, same yeah yeah and I there asked was, the guide I asked because I was like oh people are got to be dropping off this mountain and I asked and she's like oh yeah people die here all the time and I was like cool cool okay yeah crawling in <laughs> okay not gonna be me <laughs> as we were walking up Kilimanjaro they were bringing a body down Oh, they were like, that's, that's was, really inviting. And you kept going. Yeah. It was like in a wheelbarrow all wrapped up and just like, well, hey, what's that? And there was, oh, you know, somebody died, Ooh. had a heart attack up there. We're like, oh, no, it's could have done without seeing that. But you but. kept going is the interesting part of the story to me. I did. Absolutely. <laughs> I didn't see anybody being brought past me or I probably wouldn't have kept going. I feel like that would be a red flag. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to think if you were going to, did you ever shoot on location for any kind of film or did you get to go to any cool place? No, I, unfortunately, I don't do too much travel stuff. I've been working on finishing my first documentary. So that's been on location, but on location because of me. Um, most of the stuff I shoot generally in LA, it's just about ocean conservation. 
um, getting people. I feel like there's a lot of documentaries right now that are out, but a lot of them are doom and gloom. You know, you kind of watch it and I've seen it. I've gone to theaters with people when theaters were still open and you kind of almost can hear the audience like, <sighs> well, it's about and the re- the think, reefs dying oh, and the, o- yeah, they're going to walk out of here and they feel really not empowered. And I wanted to give people something that was inspirational, help do that thing I love telling you about, that just connecting with nature, really seeing into incredible animals and incredible relationships and bonds, mothers, you know, humpbacks with their babies, things like that, that you don't usually get to see. Just seeing into those kind of relationships. And then, you know, meeting with scientists and people and giving people actual things they can do to help protect the land and I just want it very much like here are things you could just do and and you would be helping, you know, like it, it's so easy to help. And so I feel like that's much better than when you walk out and you're like, well, we're all going to die. Like <laughs> we've destroyed Earth. Right. what it is. So. Are you are you just shooting this or are you in front of the camera as well? Um, you know, I've actually been playing a couple hats. Um, but generally I'm shooting it. Generally the stars are wells and sharks and things. Um, I'm just a low life <laughs> trying to put it all together, but it's, it's amazing to see their bonds. Cause even in, um, Tonga, one of the places where the wells are so, so protected now and culturally they understand the connection with nature, which is why they protect them. But when they used to, after the seventies, when there was all of the well hunting, one of the ways that they would hunt the humpbacks is they would just injure the baby. And the mom will not leave the baby. She will wrap her pec fin around the baby and stay with the baby to her last breath. So it's so easy for them to kill her. But just seeing, um, when you see that kind of empathy, I think it really connects you to them. And you, you know, it's like people go, oh, it's a well. But then you're like, oh, they are not void of emotion. In fact, like, look at this amazing bond that they have. Well, I'm, you know, as the way things are right now in the world, I'm getting short on hope. So I like the idea of a positive ocean movie. So give me some some kind of information that's positive that makes me feel a little better. Yeah, and I've been so lucky. I haven't put them out yet. I, we're going to put them out, but I've been uh, just helping because during COVID, I'm like, what's something proactive I can do from home? So I've been doing these Zoom interviews one or two every single day for um, a conservation film festival, the Wildlife Conservation Film Festival. And it's it's amazing because it's one of the only film festivals that focuses solely on kind of smaller films, independent films, but all different views of conservation. And it's just so cool, to the education. And I'm like a child. I love learning. And so like interviewing all these directors every day, I just sit and ask questions and I'm like, oh, look at the time. Like I've got to go, but like, what about this? And they all just have such amazing information. And so I've been trying to ask each one of them for inspirational tips because I do feel like during COVID people need a way to stay inspired and go, hey, if you're like a, you know, what if you want to be a storyteller? What if you want to be a filmmaker, but you're like, it's COVID, I can't travel. There's stories you can find in your backyard. There's things you can do right where you live. And so I think people just need that inspiration and passion right now so that they can feel powerful. And honestly, like, you know, so much great art has come from horrible things like COVID. And so like to have something happen like this where you're trapped with your stuff, generally something emerges that's kind of cool. So I'm like, how, what kind of art are we going to get after COVID that comes out that people are like, I wrote this play and I wrote this composition and look at this painting. Yeah. But give me one thing that, that, uh, I can hang my hat on at least and make me feel a little better. Like, is there one reef out there that's getting better? Is there one like species? I want you to go to Socorro because you go out there and you look, um, just, I, I had an awful, another awful moment. Um, you'll know this is a diver, but once I got really, really narked and I was having a moment and I, I actually filmed it. I had my camera still rolling, but I was laying at about 200 feet filming, um, a manta ray, 
but I was kind of making snow angels in the sand because I was obviously delirious. Yeah, I was pretty delirious, but I also just felt like this immense sense. My friends are always like, this is why you don't have to do drugs. And you're just like that. But just this immense connection. I felt like this man to keep swimming over me. And he was like, hey, you're in trouble. (laughs) Hey, you got to get out of here. And finally, I looked up and I was like, oh. But then when I was coming up, I got lost. And I'll send it to you. I have this epic film of coming up and swimming through a school of about thousands of fish. And then trying to take off with the fish. And just being like, this is the coolest experience I've ever had to see a place that's come back to life and not just come back to life, flourish. Like our natural world, if we give it that all it needs is protection, if we give it the things it needs, it just flourishes. And I obviously got dragged out by my buddy. Thank you so much, Sergio, (laughs) for saving me. But um, he took one look at my eyes and was like no fish for you but I was having an epic time and moment and it's one of those places you should hang your hat on because there are people out there fighting and it's not sexy it's not glamorous it's not research or swimming in a thong petting a shark it's not those kind of things but those people are you know they're passing legislation they're protecting areas and they're going to rewild everything for us And we benefit, we're going to get more oxygen, you know, it's going to reduce all of these things that are destroying Earth. And so it really benefits everybody. And I do think there is still hope. I don't think we've passed that period. And so I think that it's just getting people to know there's hope. You can go out there and you can support causes. You can even just go do, like I'm sure you do, I love to just go with Surfride or any other organization and just go do beach cleanups, you know? Yeah, I've done a couple out here. And uh, if I could like take every smoker and make them pick up their own uh, cigarette butts, that would be a good day because they don't realize how many of those things, that's like the number one thing in the water, like pollutant wise, isn't it? I think. Oh, yeah. That, that and like and Starbucks lids and balloons. That's another balloons one. Balloons drive me wild. And my friends joke, I'm like, I hate balloons. And they like, there'll be a birthday party at the beach. And like once I was coming back, um, sometimes I do this big loop through the mountains and come back along the beach to run home, which is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you can go for a swim, but I was coming back and these people sent their balloons out into the ocean. So I just straight up in my running clothes went down. And it was like, hey, do you guys know what happens to balloons? Happy birthday, everybody. I'm just going to show you. <laughs> and I swam out, <laughs> gathered all the balloons. You can imagine how killing this was. I stuffed them all in my clothes, and they were still blown up. <laughs> so I, and then, and it was a rocky beach. This was not a sandy beach. So I'm coming back in, and I've obviously gone out much further than anticipated because at this point, I'm getting the balloons. I'm not coming back into the crowd. And I, so I'm coming in, balloons everywhere, like getting smashed on the rocks. And I come in and I'm like, hey, each one of these balloons could kill an animal out there. Hope you guys have a great birthday. <laughs> Come enjoy the beach next time and don't bring balloons. <laughs> but people just don't know. They want to have fun. They want to be helpful. They just don't know. And once they know, I feel like they probably, I generally think people are good. I think they're not going to bring balloons back. Like it's one of those things that I'm sure they all had a good laugh. They were like, look at this crazy person. And there running, she is getting our balloons. <laughs> running with these balloons. But you look like the guy fine. from Up. You're totally like, fine. So I think there's so many things we can all do that's just easy little things. Okay, well, give me, uh, now we do the speed round here. Give me your worst flight. Worst flight? Have you ever had like horrible turbulence? Have um, they ever lost your bags? Have they, you know? I'll give you my worst flight in a speed round, but it's actually, I've had really good luck with flights, knock on wood. I have lost bags. I have been in Malta wearing an I Love Malta shirt and matching shorts, and that's all I had for the trip. But those have never been bad. Unfortunately, being um, Middle Eastern, I had um, a couple flights where I've gone and they didn't want to let me on the plane or they didn't want to let me on the plane with my camera gear. And those were really the heartbreaking flights for me because I was like, wow, you know, you forget that some countries are still, you know, coming from L.A. You forget some people just are so used to blonde blue eyes and you come in there and they're still so put off. And so... Where was this? Where did they not let you in? 
Um, this was actually in Norway. This was actually in Norway. Right. They actually didn't want to let us on the flight. They took away all my gear. I like literally wrapped my camera in a scarf and was like holding it. They wouldn't let us on the plane. They like took us out of line and yelled on us. And you know, it was one of those things where my sister is really good in those situations where I'm not. I either like get the knife or I yeah. cry. Those are my two like things. It's very much like a child. <laughs> you go all Chuck like, Norris on them. Literally, I'm like, oh, if I had my nunchuck, like I'll kill all of you. <laughs> and I'm filming the whole thing. I'm like, I'm sending this to your managers. Like, this isn't okay. You can't treat people as I'm crying. You can't treat people like this. And my sister is the opposite. She's like calm as can be, well spoken, and she's like, so. I'm seeing that you guys are having some problem with diversity. This is clearly a racism issue. There, is there anything we can do to help you so we can still get on our flight? As you can see, we're calm. Like, we're not trying to engage with you at all. Like, and she's just like this blanket of calm where I'm like, you're mean. <laughs> Why are you doing this to us? <laughs> Was this like right after 9-11 or something? Um, no, but unfortunately I have seen a lot of that after 9-11. Um, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does happen a lot and we forget about it, but it's one of those things that it's just like anything else, education, shine line on it. And once people are more educated, even the ones that are particularly racist won't be able to. <laughs> so it's one of those things, like if you have a job at an airport, you're not really going to be able to. But so I've actually been pretty lucky with flights. That's pretty good. How about food? Are you uh, any uh, emergency? You, I know you've been to the uh, emergency room a bunch in your life. Uh, any food poisoning or any kind of anything like that? Um, parasites, food poisoning, you name it. I've probably had it. But um, I've been lucky in the sense I've been vegan for 30 years. So I take so many snacks with me. So a lot of my friends will go places and they eat something and they get food poisoning and I'm the only one and I'm like, hey, let's go in the morning and everyone else is sick because usually what they ate, I didn't partake in. <laughs> yeah, so I have not gotten would have been really good with that. But I'm also the one who's always like, are you hungry? Do you need a snack? Like I have snacks in my bag. <laughs> have you ever gone to a hospital in a, in a foreign country that was a little... Dicey? That's a good question. Um, I don't think so. No, I think I've been really fortunate. I think um, it would actually take a lot to get me into a hospital here. So even with the incident last week, I didn't go to a hospital. Oh, no, no. <laughs> That's a hydrogen peroxide and wrap. And then if the concussion lasts, then you go get imaging. But it didn't. So I was like, cool, no brain swelling. So when you got the narcosis while diving, did you get the bends? Did you have to go to like a um, chamber? Um, I got like a little bit, but I actually was lucky. They were watching me because I was like, oh, great. I'm going to be the one that gets to go in the chamber. And part of me was like, well, that would be a new experience. I haven't gone in that. <laughs> like, it sounds awful. You don't, but you don't want, you don't want every, some experiences you don't want. You know, yeah. you don't have, you don't have I'm to have so all the experiences. But it would be something new, and it, yeah. I have always, you know, you look at those, you go, what, what's that all about? Um, but no, I ended up being totally fine, so I was really, really lucky, and we'd done like um, four dives a day for, I don't know, 14 or 16 days, and that was the very last dive, so I was just, I was done, so it was really lucky that it happened then. No, wow. And my sister is a nurse, and she does like emergency and pediatrics, heart kind of stuff. And so she always, people love us because I have snacks and I'm great with injuries. And she over here has a whole thing of medicine. And whenever we're on boat trips, there's usually not a doctor on board. And I can't tell you how many emergencies she's had to step in and be like, I got you covered. We got a steroid. We got something that's going to get you. Even on that trip in Socorro, she helped a guy who was going to lose his hearing because we wouldn't have been able to get back to land in time. And she's like, I've got the steroid. and like. He was fine. Such a sweet guy. It seems like you be you became a black belt to fight your sister, and your sister became a nurse to take care of her sister, who's always getting hurt. You probably are on to some <laughs> psychological kind of issues yeah. there. It's a very symbiotic relationship. It's very symbiotic, the two of us. You could, like, open codependency in a dictionary, and, like, we'd be like this, and she's like this. But I just feel like it's a... Uh, 
um, also one of those things where just such different people. I'm very rough and tumble and aggressive and physical, and she's very gentle. So the two of us actually would never physically fight because she is like a very gentle soul. <laughs> she, I'm always trying to teach her. I tell her she's a ninja in training because I always try and sneak up on her or attack her in the house, but I would never hurt her. But just to like, if somebody did this, what are you going to do? <laughs> if somebody did this, what are you going to do? Like just to get her in the habit of knowing self-defense. Does she live out here as well or is she back in Utah? We live together. Oh, <laughs> we <live> okay. together. <laughs> Like I said, meaning of codependency. <laughs> yeah, got it. Uh, okay, now put give us your... Um, any sites you want people to know or where they can see uh, oh. your, your work? What, what are your websites and uh, where can people see your stuff? You know, I'm, I'm one of those old-fashioned hidden people. Uh, my friends convinced me in like 2020 to get on Instagram. <laughs> I don't have any kind of anything. You're probably better off. Um, I was also, yeah, I was also running a a really successful rehab operation in Malibu and people the same. They're like, how do we find you? And I'm like, it's word of mouth. If someone refers you, you find me. If not, you don't find me. So um, I do have an Instagram now, but basically I'm kind of hidden. I'm off everything. <laughs> well, what about, uh, are there places where people can go to like to donate to causes or something that you work with? Absolutely. Um, it, depending on what cause you want to donate to, I love the Wildlife Conservation Film Festival and all the money you donate to them actually goes to filmmakers. And so it's either filmmakers who have already put films in the foundation or it's filmmakers who are people like you and I that are like, like I have this amazing concept and I know the story and I know the species that I want to protect, but I don't have any kind of funding. I can't get funding. So it's a scholarship kind of foundation. So I would say I would do that one. That one's really cool. Okay. And when can we see this uh, film of yours? When's that coming? Well, I had two more locations to shoot and COVID has put a little wrench in my plan. So as soon as I can get those two things shot, it's just editing. So I was actually hoping for this year, but it's probably realistically going to be next year. Are you editing yourself? Um, no, okay. I have done a little bit, but, um, I'm, as you can tell by not being on any media, except for now that I'm learning Instagram, my friends are like, you're such an old lady. And I'm like, how does this thing work? And they're like, oh, but, um, no, I'm, I'm on the interweb. Daddy. I'm on the interweb. How does it work? Yeah. I'm on the gram. I'm on the gram. Literally my mom's telling me how to use it. And I'm like, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> Your mom is telling you? Oh, my mom's crazy. She's like text messaging, Instagram. My mom knows everything. I'm like camera, drones, fighting, diving. I don't like other than that. I don't like I avoid people and stuff. So I don't know. Yeah, I can't even I can't get my mom to use her cell phone. So that's where we're at. Well, I have to call her on the landline. That's a problem. That's no. not a problem. And I'll give you a good reason. My mom will find everyone on Instagram. If I, She's going to find you. Anyone I've interacted with, she finds. She DMs. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, you're going to get messages. She's, <laughs> she's literally all over that place. I'm like, why is this happening to me? <laughs> We've actually had to have talks like, okay, mom, you can message my friends, but not every day. <laughs> Give it some time. Right. If she sends me a friend request, I'll have to go through you first and see if I should approve it or not. Well, she'll send you more than a friend request. You'll get like oh, a lot of messages. And then I'm going to get like, who's this Mike guy? I looked ah. up Mike. I looked up his family and I'm like, oh, this is so his family. I'm telling you, she's, she's oh, boy. that one. <laughs> now I'm scared. Maybe I should get a black belt. Oh, if I think it. Yeah. If all this travel and all the things you've done and your experiences, um, how has it changed you as a person and how has it changed how you look at life and the world and people in general? Um, that's a really good question. I think it just makes me more connected to other people. It makes me more empathetic, but really it makes me want to do more of what I want to do and feel more confident in the sense because there's so many things we put off. I have girlfriends that go, that trip sounds romantic. I'm going to wait till I get married. Or I have guy friends that will say the same thing. And I'm like, if you want to do something, just go do it. And the more you do, the more you think 
why wouldn't I do this? I've literally been waiting my life to do all these fun things when I could have just been really enjoying life. And I think it gives you that sense of freedom to carry in your everyday life of you're living each moment to the fullest, you know, and you're obviously respectful and kind and doing all the things you should to people, but you're also just really enjoying life and seeing what the world has to offer. And I feel like when other places have major human rights or human kind of humanitarian issues come up, you people who have been there connect so much easier. You're like, oh, you know, you connect with the people, you get the issue a lot more. So I feel like the more we're traveling, the more we're exposed to things, the more we help each other and we just understand each other. We don't feel the separation. That's great. Well, thank you so much for doing this. This has been awesome. No, I'm telling you, I actually was like, what? You want to interview me? Why? I've been interviewing people. (laughs) This is so fun. So thank you. Thank you. No, thanks for doing this. Mina Amani, everyone. (laughs) 